small-time indie filmmaker walks into a bar and meets with another small-time indie filmmaker to discuss their local films, the film scene, and how to make movies in Tampa, Florida. You get the film bar review. Today we discuss relics and setting film goals. So I thought we'd have an impromptu conversation about what we're going to be... Uh, what are our plans for the future? And like, how are we going to actually make films? Because we're in the place in our lives where a lot of a lot of people are, where they we've got kids, we've got a lot of stuff going on, uh, and it, you know, if I was in my early twenties, it would be like really cut and dry. It'd be so simple yeah. to be like, this is what, what I'm going to do. Period. Nothing's gonna get in my way. I don't care if a chank comes through my house and burns it down. I'm still gonna be making yeah. this film next week. You know, like that, yeah. that kind of attitude. I like that. And I was doing that like ten years ago with the Joe Davidson film, Experiment Seven. Okay. It was that's more than more than ten years right? ago. Yeah. Okay. Like that's the attitude I was at at that time. And um, a lot of stuff happened. That. Did you have kids then? Yeah, I had kids after that. After that? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, because Violet's eight, so. Yep. I was getting ready for Violet nine years ago, and when I was getting ready, I was basically like, okay, I have to write this feature. Like, so I worked on my first feature script, which was Blood Covenant, and um, it was like a vampire slash uh, Catholic abuse. Yeah, I read some of that. I think yeah. you, you gave that to me. I'm yeah. I just, it was interesting enough to do the work. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, I guess if, if I could sum it up quickly, it would be like, I have a desire to uh, make films, but if I'm going to make films a lot, I, then I have to be, I have to be um, making money um, on what I'm doing because I'll have to switch with my wife as it comes to being the breadwinner. And if I'm switching with my wife, then I'm probably going to be doing something film-related because that way I can double up my efforts on, do, on film. So, you know, if I'm doing a uh, full-time job or half, you know, or a part-time job, it's like then I have the rest of that time to, to use that equipment and use my energies to make films on the side. But if I'm like not doing that, if I'm just, if I'm still a stay-at-home dad the way I am now, it's gonna be just shorts and it'll be like a year to make every short, like every, you know, about, about a year a short. So that's possible, that's fine, it's better than nothing, but it's like not ideal. I could see doing that for maybe two years, like, Shorts, like making maybe making two shorts, maybe three, yeah. uh, and being a stay-at-home dad, you know, full time. So, and I, I think you're actually a lot more complicated, like as it comes to what you're going to be doing, like what you would do to get out of your situation, and getting, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say you need to, but I think you probably, I, I don't think you have a lot of choice as it comes to if you would still be in that your job and 
Like if you're gonna if you're gonna make f serious feature films, and we've both talked about this so many times, it's like you got to be doing it right, mm -hmm. and you could probably it doesn't necessarily have to be full time, yeah. but it's got to be you know where you've got enough time mm -hmm. to really work out your um, passion, and a lot of the projects that we have that we've talked about are a pretty big deal. You know, yeah. they don't have to be huge. I know, but they it's don't, like, yeah, yeah, they don't have to, but at the same time, when you're thinking and you dream it big, of course they're big. I don't think there's any way around that, but big projects mean a lot of time. And yeah. So today, right now, we don't have that, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> we just don't. So I have to say, you want to get to a point where you actually have that. Maybe you're making a living somehow out of filmmaking and you're constantly in the process and so you can be at work but also on the side be working on projects but always getting sharper and always getting smarter and more experienced in what you do you know right. which is ideal but at the same time it's not what's happening right now and I know you say like a year or short and it's like of course I'm not saying it's not ambitious and that that's not a valid goal to mm -hmm. set for yourself but you roll the clocks back to the time of, of, and now, granted, these guys were working within the studio system, so there was a structure there, and there were the professionals on hand, and they were contracted, and you could slip people in and out of production, and yeah. move right along. Uh, it's yours, right? I have the, the sandwich coming yeah. with the bechamel and all that, yeah. I don't really have any food. I just, he, he does. Oh, okay, so nobody I think I'm just food, yeah. No. Okay. no, that's not me. Sorry. But they worked within a system that constantly enabled them to move from project to project. And you go back with some of the bigger names of those decades, 30s and 40s, mm -hmm. and you'll see in there just their film credits, what they were up to in the course they of the year. So many just films. how many yeah. films they made in a year. Quality films as well. So it's not to say like, oh, well, a film ought to take a director two years of his life, three years, four years, five years, however many years you want to try to put on it. It's like, okay, that's a valid, there's, mm -hmm. I'm not saying that there's not a point to be made along those lines, but there's also a point to be made that if you have a structure in place and you have a group of people, you know, a troop mm -hmm. of your actors, but also a, a handful of technicians and people who are inspired and, and excited about making films, yeah. you can accomplish a lot in oh, a yeah, far sure. lesser time frame. Then. Absolutely. Well, you know, they you got know. the 48-hour film festival, right? What does that mean? Yeah. You can make a film, you can make a short in two days. So well, two days, man. And they and do. People, and people like, make some pretty good ones. It's impossible to make a good one, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, so that's really putting the crunch on it. But at the same time, I've always felt about those things that they are, at the very least, a really beneficial exercise yeah. for you as a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. And I've never done one, and I've always been interested by the idea of this that you get a group of people together and you just make something in 48 hours. Right. I think it's a pretty interesting concept. Now, I've never done it, so I don't know the practical application of it and how it really plays out. Well, but. some of the things I don't like about it is that the very things I enjoy about film, which is storytelling, are is too hamstrung by yeah. it. That's the very stuff I love about it. it what it does is it, it's good for team building and it's good for craft, yeah. craftsmanship, but as it comes to storytelling, and that's the whole reason I'm in film, storytelling, yeah. So for me, it's like, <laughs> what I think would be funny is if you call people up during the 48-hour film project and they're like, we're making a 48-hour film project. And then like in the middle of it, be like, we're not going to submit this to the 48-hour. <laughs> Instead, we're going to take the next week and we're going to make we'll a make damn good, good short. And we're going to use our own script with none of these restrictions. 
And since yeah. all you guys are here, I really appreciate you guys being here. If you want to stay for this, that's cool. Yeah. And then you'll make a better film that way. Yeah. I think. You know. I mean, it's like yeah, of, of course. I mean, you would think it's possible, but maybe. I don't know. I don't know. For me, it feels like in a lot of ways, filmmaking. It's also about timing. It's about striking when the iron is hot and when everybody is geared up and ready to go and taking that energy and putting it into something. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's constantly a struggle when you're trying to make films with a group of people who don't have the energy for filmmaking. Yeah. yeah. That is... It's you frustrating. Don't even know, you don't even know if the right. iron's hot. You don't even know if no, anybody's you know, interested. It's just you got to get yeah. them all together. You got to get them out there. And you got to just start getting the cameras rolling. And I yeah. think you probably end up doing too many takes and things don't necessarily go smoothly. But I mean, hats off to the people who've helped me out in the years, over the years, who mm-hmm. aren't really into filmmaking because I can't imagine what that's like trying to get out there and not yeah. really, not to say that they don't care, but they don't care. You know, it's not. They don't thing. know how much they need to care yeah. to make a film. To, yeah, exactly. Yeah. What you have to put in. You know, right. uh, I was thinking about this. Uh, what the hell? I'm always fucking going over. It. I swear, what I find myself doing in my free time is, is <laughs> constantly too, thinking about movies, man. And I, I was weird. into this whole kick about the idea of when you're what you pour into a film, mm-hmm. right? And the idea of a movie is going to take from you. Your blood, your sweat, and your tears, but you have to give it the pound of flesh. Sure. Right? That's on you. Well, you That's want on to. You I think, as the filmmaker. I think you want to. Uh, but you can yeah. get out of make. I've done it. I've made a movie before mm-hmm. where there was not any bit of me in it, but oh, yeah. it took every bit of what the contract says that it gets from me. Right. But I didn't hold up my end of it, and it's a movie that doesn't necessarily hold up or, yeah. or, or show up. It's like you have to be willing to really bring something, you know, sacrifice it on the altar of, right, of, right, of cinema, film, whatever the hell you want to I call guess, it. But yeah. you got to have something. you got to pour in. And when you're making films with people and they don't necessarily have the same passion as you, they're not, they're not pouring yeah. in. Thank, Thank you. you. All right. That looks okay. interesting. But you know what I mean? So when you get a people crepe. and they're not, no, it's, it's supposed to be like a ham and cheese and some bechamel in there. So, oh, yeah. I don't know, I let it cool off. Pick you at it in a little bit. But I was thinking about this in terms of um, of the Western, right? I've been coming back mm-hmm. around to the same, I've been trying to wrap my head around it. And we hadn't spoke since we spoke on the phone that day. And as we were talking, and I was thinking, it's like, I know that you necessarily don't believe in it like I do, right? And that's, I'm, I'm good with that. And as we were talking, it's like, I agree with 90% of what you said. But there was one point you say to me where you're like, well, I felt like the imagery was falling flat. Mm, and yeah. it's like, I didn't push back on you that day. But in my heart, it's like, no, I, I, don't, I don't agree with that. I don't believe that. So I went back to it. I started watching it. And I've always been, uh, I've always been tempted to just put it in black and white. What mm-hmm. hasn't, what's kept me from doing yeah. that was that I that really enjoyed a few shots that were a beautiful sky, a, mm-hmm. a sunrise sky, right? And the color. And I know that black and white is just going to take that away from it entirely. So it would be yeah, a sacrifice yeah, yeah. made for it. You know? But what I was finding as I was going back through this thing, I'm trying to cut a trailer and put something out there, is that, and I've said this to you before, and I believe it in my bones, man, that you are going to write a movie, you're going to shoot a movie, and you're going to cut a movie. And this right. has brought it to the forefront of my life like I never would have expected. Because 
What I'm doing right now is I'm getting from the point where I've shot a movie and I had something in my mind and that's the cut that I made and that's what you saw and that's what I saw. Yeah. And we're both watching it and we're both feeling like this isn't right, that you know, this isn't working, something's not there yeah. kind of thing. So what I was able to do when time has gone by is basically really and truly sacrifice that thought and idea and that timeline and the chronology mm -hmm. of it and just wow. kill it basically and mm -hmm. move on from there. And so let the images and what was shot and what, the, you know, the scenes and the different aspects of it, let it kind of form a story of its own. And I think I'm on the lines, I think I'm on a trail of something that I might yeah. get somewhere with it. I know I've got a decent trailer, I think I finish and finally put out there. But even for the cut of the film, it's like to almost kind of take it out of that box that I put it in, mm -hmm. you know, and almost kind of liberate it in a sense. And yeah. Let it be something more than just what I had it pigeonholed as, right. as I was filming. Right now, you could say, "Oh, well, if you didn't know what you were making while you were making it, then it's just a bad movie." But it's like, no, no that's not true. it's a process, man. Yeah. Filmmaking is a process, and there's multiple steps to it, mm -hmm. and you have to get to a finished product. And you, yeah, okay. So we all see the finished product. We all like to think, "Oh, well, this was, this was the idea when it was in its infancy." But I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think yeah. that you get from point A to point C, right. you know, and there's a lot of changes along the way. Yeah. So I kind of took that probably further than I ever have before. And I think I'm onto something possibly that makes it decent enough to have spent the time on it. Awesome. As opposed to just letting it die and just moving on from yeah, it. I don't I want to get in to reshoot it, it, you know? I don't want to go back there. Right. I have okay, to move yeah. on from it in my sure. life. This has been years and years of multiple stabs at it. And mm -hmm. This was the most current one and then it's right. sat for, it's like I gotta get out of this thing, man. Yeah. So I'm not gonna film anymore. I'm gonna take what I have but I'm now looking at it with new eyes. Cool. As if I'm not the one who made it. It's like, how do I make something out of it? Because yeah. a film really comes alive in the cut, man. Mm -hmm. You can have all these intentions and these ideas, but if they don't come off the way that you had intended, what are you gonna do in that moment? Right. Are you gonna be able to improvise? Are you gonna be able to make something out of what you have? Because you don't have the luxury of being able to go back and redo it all. Right. I've done that, and yeah. it got me to that same point again, you know? So. I'm moving off from it, but I guess yeah. uh, where, where the hell I'm even talking about this was the idea that I'm willing to take what I had as an idea of a film and what I was so inspired by and how I wanted to make it and literally put it to death on the altar and just mm -hmm. like move on from it and now take the, the footage and go somewhere else with it. Okay. Yeah. You know, now I've, again, we've been talking for a while, so I don't remember how I got to that point exactly <laughs> in the conversation, but that was something that was fresh on my mind, you know, thinking yeah. about that kind of, I guess, like a philosophical aspect of filmmaking, right? That right. you have to be, I mean, because these things come into play. It's not so cut and dry. It's like, why does anybody do anything? It's like, why does a guy make a chair? Why does a guy, yeah. I don't know, build a house or, you know, program a computer? It's like, why do we make films, right? Do it, I don't yeah. know, but there's something. You want to yeah. do it. You feel the drive. You feel the desire, to do the passion, it, yeah. right? And it's tough to to satisfy that in any other way. So that's, I feel like, how you know where you find where kind of you, mm -hmm. you know, what tree you should be pissing up. Yeah, know? and hopefully all the stuff I said is motivating to you. And it, it isn't to do what yeah. I'm, I'm thinking. 100%. It's, it's just to like pr progress it forward so that it becomes something. It becomes something or yeah. it dies. And right. it's not to say that the death of something is, is necessarily no, a bad thing. No, the death I think of that thing is the life of something yeah, else. Yeah, move on, yeah. man. Because I have been stuck in a rut on this thing. Right. And I might have just really talked myself into doing it again. Yeah. But I'm at a point where what I'm going to do is just a finite amount of time. Mm -hmm. It's not 
back into the infinite. Okay, let me reshoot this whole thing and right. figure it all out. It's like, I'm not. I'm what not are you thinking about this direction. project, um, Relics? Like, I haven't seen it yet. I saw yeah. maybe like a third, 30 seconds of it, but just the idea of it. And I also saw that video of the audio he the talked video. about. You I hear him? see that yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. So I like what he was saying so he's about cool the guy. idea. Yeah, right? I like what he's talking about. Like getting in there and just yeah. going for it. Sure. Man. Like. I'm, I've been at that stage where they're at. Yeah. You know, I've been at that stage. And it's a good stage to be in. You're just doing whatever you can do. Yeah. And you're enjoying it. And you're progressing forward. Um, I mean, I wouldn't make it without a sound guy, personally. Yeah. I think if there's any one person you can and should hire, if you're going to make a feature, as a sound guy. And then yeah. if, you, if you have to do everything else, then do it. Yeah. Um, because it's just, it's just one extra thing that you don't want to have to worry about. And um, if, you, if you do it, I think if you have that guy, it makes you much quicker. It's going to make you quicker on your feet. So um, yeah, I mean, that's the only thing probably I would do different. And he, in fact, he might say the same thing too. Uh, you know, like, because yeah. I mean, like he was saying, it was uh, a learning, uh, it was a uh, masterclass, I guess he said, in filmmaking, which is always, I think it's always true. I think everybody's said that about film when you make your first make film. A feature. It's like, it's the master class. You didn't even need to go to college. Like almost everyone says that, yeah. that they didn't need to go to college. As yeah. soon as they make that first film, they're like, yeah. why did I go? Either, either they hate it, that's the fact that they went to college, or they're like, no, this is great. It built, it built on college in such a way that it's like almost made it irrelevant, but it, 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 make, it definitely adds to your education in a major way. Oh, um, yeah. I'd say I've never worked on a feature, but what I've, what I've always said, and not to get sidetracked, but what I've taken away from time in film school was not that it necessarily equipped me for everything that I would need to learn to make a film. Right. I had already been making movies long before I ever went to film school. They were right. tiny, small little things, but I was a filmmaker before I went to film school. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's maybe that was uh, okay. So the guys who didn't have digital cameras and that available to them, they literally had never had the luxury of picking up a camera before they went yeah. to film school, right? So it's right. a lot of people purpose, do, but yeah. for us in this generation or the last couple generations, I think what it gives you is something else. I think it gives you some yeah. intangible things. I like how it exposes you to the history of cinema. I think like, it's great in ways that it's I've so never great. that you can't really uncover in your own time necessarily. Yeah. And to have a professional person that it's their job to kind of teach yeah. this curriculum. And there is, it's just like in the idea of filmmaking, that there are things that are purely skill-based. You have mm -hmm. to hone your craft and what you can do with your hands to... Even just the it's, knowledge it's Yeah, exponential. So I think there's things yeah. like that, even in just the teaching of, of film, that comes yeah. down to the jot and tittle aspects mm -hmm. of it and mm -hmm. explaining and to have that taught to you by somebody with experience and with yeah. tenure and you know they have an understanding of it it's like for me those were the things that I took away from film school I've you know, always seen it like my issue with most film schools is that they should be like art schools instead they're like state colleges and they talk theory and they talk all this stuff but art schools are about making art yeah I think most of them are and there's going to be a few theory classes and things like that, but most of them it's about getting your hands dirty and just yeah. making better art every day. And so if, if you treated film that way, you're gonna become a better filmmaker. You're gonna become a filmmaker because that's what a filmmaker is. So they're really artists. They're not theoreticians and, and, and uh, pencil pushers and 
um, all this stuff. They, you know, um, it's about creating something, and the best way to do that is to just yeah. do it, get the tool, yeah. and go do it, and mess up. You know, you're not going to not mess up. Yeah. You know, so. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I think too, teaching that is really important. And I, I think doing it with people who are experienced is really helpful. And I, that's why I think that making the film is great because generally there's people who have been doing it for a few years on the set. Yeah. And when, when you're next to those people and they're telling you, you know, like what to do, they don't even have to be explaining to you why. All they have to do is say, this is what we do, this is what you need to do. Mm-hmm. And then there's like the mood on set just kind of rubs off on you. Like, is this something I want to be doing? Or is this something that bothers me because it's too strict or it's too loose or it's too whatever or too people oriented or whatever, yeah. you know, because uh, film is very people oriented, you know, um, and a lot of people are, are, are like scared of that fact, that the factor in that, you know, um, or, or they're, they're scared of the uh, messing up factor. So, but I think generally those two things have, you know, get get handled once you go on a bigger set yeah you know um, and then and you get you get over those fears pretty quickly um, and then you learn what good stuff is and how it gets made and what bad stuff is and how it gets made and you start you know kind of like getting rid of the the techniques that just aren't gonna make good films you know you those migrate out of your system of your your your, your teamwork um, and um, you start acquiring good habits, you know? Yeah. And then those things build into like streamlined processes and those things make efficient filmmaking and that saves you tons of money. Mm-hmm. So then you can be an efficient like army of people and you're, it's literally like a factory of, uh, a money-making factory of artists, which is kind of incredible. Yeah. <coughs> Have you ever heard of uh, Oats people. Studios? Oats? Mm-hmm. No, I don't think so. It's uh, Neil Bloomkamp. Uh, after he uh, did, uh, I think, Chappie, he was trying to make uh, Alien 5, and that wasn't being, ha- it wasn't happening, even though he had uh, Sigourney Weaver and all this stuff, all this support behind him. Um, I think it was Ridley Scott who kind of kept it from happening, and the studio, of course. But um, in that, I think in that limbo, state of limbo, he was like, I have to build something that's like a foundation to make great films. And he started making Oat Studios. And, but because he was in limbo, he, I think he decided he was gonna make short projects. Like, in the meantime, I'm gonna make short projects. I'm not gonna worry about, you know, and then, and then when, they, when Ridley Scott gets off of his films, then I can start making Alien 5. So, but what it did is it made kind of an interesting little studio, like an experimental studio, kind of. Um, and I think they're up in Vancouver, maybe, I don't know. I know he's a South African, but I think he moved to uh, Vancouver. And, uh, but um, yeah, so, so he, he, he does what a lot of the big time Hollywood people do, which is to integrate a lot of what they do with uh, visual effects and more of a technical craft side of filmmaking where everything they do is about in upping their technical game uh, because they feel that they've mastered a lot of the storytelling and, 
and they have a lot, enough clout to get talent and all the other things that, that you worry about when you're beginning in filmmaking. But what you don't have and what nobody has is the next level of filmmaking, yeah. technically. Yeah. So a lot of these people, that's what they, you know, people like Peter Jackson and people like uh, Ang Lee and people like, you know, these people who have been in the system long enough, they need to up their game and they do do so, you know, like James Cameron with Avatar, they always do so by upping their technical skills. And uh, like, like experimental, revolutionary kind of technical stuff. So he's working with, with Oat Studios to kind of integrate uh, film with TV series with, with gaming using, I think, Unity as a software to like put everything together. And um, it's interesting stuff. But um, I don't even know why I brought that up except that it's kind of like there's a synthesis that comes when you are with a team of people yeah. that you can do. You can, you can accomplish something really cool. Um, and also they, uh, they focus on the um, proof of concept model of filmmaking, which is um, what I want to focus on as well. I don't need to, but it's like, I think it's good, a good way to start out until you get investors and people behind you who are like, we believe in your vision, you know, um, and we will help fund your next feature. You don't even have to have a proof of concept, we just believe in you. In the meantime, you need to kind of like, you know, get some people to believe in you and your vision. So proof of concepts are good, cheap, easy. Not, they're not, well, it's not really cheap or easy, to be honest, but, <laughs> yeah. but it's a lot cheaper yeah. and, and easier. By proof of concept, you mean like making a short that could potentially like yes. be a feature or mm -hmm. you know, touches in the world or the characters yes. that you're trying to make a feature? I mean, some people make a short and then it becomes a feature and then the difference between that and a proof of concept is that a proof of concept is, first of all, it's made for that purpose. Uh -huh. Um, second of all, it's not necessarily a story in itself. It's a portion of a larger feature story. So it's like an introduction to this world-building universe, you know, this, this, this universe you're creating. Um, it's an introduction to these characters that you are going to have in the feature. Um, and so it's like a slice of life as opposed to like, this is its own unique yeah. short project. And, or, you know, like let's say you were making 10 minute segments of a feature, it's, you could, it, it's one of the, you could make it one of your 10 minute segments of your feature. Yeah. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be yeah. the beginning, but it could be, you know, an exciting moment in your feature or whatever. Mm -hmm. But um, I think often it's going to be the beginning because it's, it's, a, it's a more organic introduction, you know, um, instead of just thrusting you into this place you don't understand so I believe in it as a uh, you know as a a good way to get funding and get people believing in you yeah. um, and, and also you can build a larger uh, crowdfunding mm -hmm. campaign from it yeah you know yeah you have something tangible to show yeah exactly you're, you're proving you're, you're proving to your funders to your investors to your fans that you can make films, yeah. and you can make this kind of film specifically. Yeah. This is the kind of film, you know, like 
Because, I mean, often people are like, I made this project and it's good, but then they're like, what's your next project going to be? And they're like, well, it's going to be this sci-fi horror that I've never made before or this genre I've never worked on. And it's yeah. like, how do we know you can make that? You just made a comedy. Like, how do we know you can make that? So, and Hollywood's notorious for this, is hedging you in as a director and being like, you know, you're, you're a comedy director. You're not a, this director. Yeah. Um, so it's not necessarily going to help you to make yeah. a film and then, and then go off and want to get funding for another kind of film entirely. That's not necessarily going to help you. So you, in, in a way, you have to kind of prove you can make what you want to make, which means the proof of concept works as a, as a way of doing that. Or a short, you know. Yeah. That could work too. Yeah. No, it's an interesting concept, you know. Yeah. I don't really think about it all that much, but I know you've thrown it around and made me think about it, you know. It's, mm -hmm. I get it, man. It makes sense, you know. It's at least uh, practical, you know. Yeah. Its application. I hope so. Like it's, mm. um, it's meant to be. I think it makes a lot of sense. You know? One of the difficult yourself. things, obviously, is um, getting, putting together, like, creating a compromise between the things you want to do and the things you can do, and that's often difficult because people that have strong visions like me um, it's often really hard for me to compromise with um, you know the practical limitations and be like oh this means I can't or that or I shouldn't try to pr pursue this um, because it's like too uh, difficult <laughs> to get all these things together like one of the shorts I'm, I'm working with, with uh, Greg uh, Cherami, um, is Cher Ami. Uh, he's a great guy, by the way. Um, is a fantasy medieval kind of action short. And um, the, the, the hugest limitation, surprisingly, is the location because I know what these locations in Europe look like, yeah. you know, and they, they're hard to find around here, especially Florida, like forget about it, you're not going to find it in Florida. Yeah. Uh, you might find it in maybe Georgia because it's a little hilly, it can be a little hilly and a little bit mountainous in places. Mm -hmm. You might be able to find it in Tennessee or North Carolina or South Carolina maybe, mm -hmm. but like finding it here is virtually impossible. Um, and so the idea of shooting it up there is probably what's going to have to happen to shoot this short. Um, and this is maybe a 20-minute short, 15-minute, 20-minute short. Yeah. Um, so, and then I would probably have a uh, kind of like a, what do you call it when you have the background, uh, like a fake background? Like a green screen type thing? Well, yeah, there's... You could use a green screen, but it's called. I know some people they used to use use plates. Of course, now we use green screen instead of plates. But then there's like, um, oh, what's it called? Like rear projection or like front no. projection? No, nothing like that. No, it's like like a matte painting. Because you're on location. Like a matte painting, mm -hmm. you know. Except it's not a painting. You use a photograph, 
and then you, uh, you you know you could have a little video there you know but it's like that gets placed in the background but not so close to the background that it's like rear projection it's more like just far enough to where it's like in the horizon you know what I mean so uh, because because I want to have like a, a, a tower you know back in the day they had castles and they had towers yeah and this is like a smaller castle which is like a tower and um, that's you know so it's like uh, stitching all that together is gonna be interesting yeah. and then um, and then I plan on kind of relying on a society of creative anachronisms and this group that works at the Renaissance festivals and they have the armor and all this stuff and they yeah. you know they have the stuff that they play with which is not um, period uh, accurate, and then they have the period accurate stuff. And so uh, making copies of the period accurate stuff that is able to be beat up and used, yeah. um, you, you have to do that carefully because you don't want to destroy it or damage it um, too easily. Um, so yeah, that's going to be interesting to work that out as well because we might have to make some stuff. But, uh, or you know, we could rely on, on the classic kind of film, you know. I was uh, gonna say, I hope stuff. you know a good smithy. Yeah, no, <laughs> I mean, work, you know? a lot of the stuff's not real metal. Yeah, okay. It looks like metal, but it's not real. And Dude, you, want, you don't wanna fight, you don't always wanna fight with real metal at, on, uh, can I use your fork? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you don't always do, wanna yeah. use real metal when you're fighting with it, because that's, not only yeah. could you get hurt, but they could get hurt. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, swords, I would think, but also, yeah, just the yeah. armor, huh? They want, to, they want you using fake armor, huh? Yeah. Wow. Uh, I think mm. you got at the end, huh? Too freaking bad, huh? I mean, shoot. That's pretty good. Yeah. I thought it was pretty tasty. Good ham. Just enough ham to yeah. make it like, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Tasty. Yeah. Um, what is it? In uh, 2001 has... Uh, he did something crazy there. I think they call it front projection because I think rear projection mm -hmm. is a typical, the way they always did, you know, projection. But he figured out something with mirrors and, and uh, using stills photographs for, especially in that Donna Man sequence, I think, in the beginning there, for like the Sahara or wherever mm -hmm. they got those photos from. Pretty interesting stuff to create backgrounds. That's in a studio setting, of course, you mm -hmm. know. But, uh, I mean, it looks, it looks real as could be, you know. Yeah. I don't really know about it you know, but, uh, well you know have you heard about the, uh, the what they call the, uh, the volume which is the uh, way they're doing a lot of projection stuff now or at least they're trying to migrate into using the volume yeah. it's what they used uh, with the Mandalorian okay so it's kind of like you know cutting-edge stuff yeah a lot of the reasons just that they're using these uh, curved LED monitors huh. and so they have a whole room of LED monitors and uh, it basically makes it possible to do real-time projection and um, make it to where these, uh, you know, you don't have to worry about lighting so much when you're doing green screen in that case because it's, it's, it's like real lighting. It's like um, real external kind of, see, you know, like uh, when you're on, a, when you're on a, a live set out in the middle of nowhere. You know, it's like that in a way because it's, you're like you're matching the lighting of all that, and uh, 
and your LEDs are reflecting that environment perfectly. So you're getting, mm. your interactions with your environment are much more realistic as a result. Yeah. And you don't have to like fix stuff in post, really. to match anything, you know. So that's that's becoming uh, cutting-edge stuff. That's becoming the, the norm. And like I mentioned, uh, Neil Blomkamp, um, Bloomkamp, he's uh, working with software, Unity, to um, basically recreate. It's a different method of doing kind of the same thing. Um, but with with the volume, you are in a in a in a location where everything is real time, lighting real time uh, looks like your location, and and it's projected. And with with the Unity uh, stuff and with Neil Blomkamp, what they do is they go on location in a location that they want to you know use, yeah. and they literally take 360 degree video and pho photographs. Um, and then it becomes a patchwork in the software. And then when you perform everything in studio, it's like you're in that environment. So you have a virtual camera that you can go around in the studio and you're looking at the set, which is looks like that location. Yeah. And then when you, in, po in post, then you just lay it onto that environment. So, um, obviously, you, your blocking is really important, you know, with your actors. Uh, but he also creates it, makes it to where that's not an issue either because he, he creates virtual actors as well. And so he'll, he'll do the performance for the actors where you get all the facial recognition and all that stuff, which you can't flub. You know, that's, that's important data. Yeah. And then they take that data and then they put that in that virtual environment. So it's like everything becomes virtual. Everything becomes this recorded performance. And then you're able to kind of like with the timeline and with a lot of other things, um, kind of modify it in post. You know, like for example, the great thing about that versus the volume is that you can, you can mess with the lighting and like almost every factor you can mess with uh, in, in the software. So it's more manipulatable problem is it's not as real looking like because even though these are all real performances and real locations then because you're manipulating it it becomes less real as you go on yeah so you get the uncanny valley problem and you get some of those things cropping up mm. but they're getting better and better mm. and of course they've been saying that for 30 years are getting better and better yeah um, sounds like uh, sounds very far from it's really close now. Picking it up really a camera is. and shooting a movie, though, you know? So yeah. It's so much. It's a direction to go in, but it's not something to worry about now. And I'm not against the idea of, you know, technical things leading the charge. Oh, of course, the, yeah. You know, to the, to the horizon, you know, to the future. But that feels pretty far out there. That feels yeah. like you're, you're putting together a video game more than you're making a movie. Right. It feels, you know, it's, it's less... You got a lot less flesh and blood involved. With yeah. It, you know? No, I like to know it, but I don't see it as something yeah. I will be doing in the next five years. It's five interesting. Years. 
It definitely is. Maybe three years. I think about, like you're saying with The Mandalorian, how are they not casting shadows on the screens if you're later, literally in front of screens and how they do it? It's like, man, you would think that that would be a, a major issue. But no, I don't think it is. diving it's, into stuff. I'm you know, sure with you the, way, the right? way they use the lighting and um, the, the, the way the LED screens are, uh, they don't cast a reflection. Um, and yeah. they just, they know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, they, I, but I think it's also not cheap. <laughs> so. Oh, I'm sure it's not. A little bit of my list of things I want to do, just a little bit, and then uh, and then go back and talk about what what you can do to kind of like or what we can, I guess, try to make a plan for you for uh, like the next few years so that you can get to making films yeah. again you know like and I guess I guess for you it's like I think like that film relics it's like the making a feature has to happen at some point you know what I mean like yeah. it just has to happen so but the question is how and and also, what what story are we gonna? I don't want to say settle on, but what um, what do you what is gonna excite you enough to make this feature? Even though it's you know we can make it fairly cheaply, but it's like. But uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like I want to obviously, like you say, you got to get into it. What I like about something like that movie, Relics or The Relics, whatever the hell it's mm -hmm. called. I liked when I first listened to that thing where he's talking about audio. And he's just saying, it's you can't let technical things hold you back, man. I get it. I know that they're important and it's valuable. And I know sound is valuable. Like you say, the first thing you would hire would be a sound guy. And I'm probably in that same camp as you. Mm -hmm. But I will say that I won't let sound get in the way of me making a film. Right. You yeah, know, you can't. I've got to get past that. And I've got to, I know... It's tricky and it's hard to say like, oh, I'm gonna just let it go, but I think you have to. Otherwise, I think you're never gonna fucking make anything is what it kind of feels like. It's where yeah. I've been working myself further and further into this place where it's like you want to achieve the certain things, but you can't just have that immediately. You gotta no. graduate into things. Right. You have to work your way to that. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that process. And I think that that has to take place. Yeah. And I, I think it's valuable. Well, like for your film, I could probably do sound for your film. <coughs> like that's probably yeah. I mean, possible. shit, man. You need somebody who uh, really cares about what they're doing in the moment. Yeah, is what yeah. you know. It's like okay, so somebody with years and years of experience, obviously, and maybe is a mixer, you that's know, nice, post, and they know what they're doing. And okay, so yeah, yeah, obviously, that's immense value to your project. But that doesn't mean that it's what your project is going to live and die on. Man. Yeah. It's going to live and die on you as a filmmaker. What are you bringing into it? Mm -hmm. And what is it all about? And how does it all play out? Yeah, I think it's a compromise, you know, where you're like, there's a certain measure of craft that you have to put forward. Yeah. Because I've seen people making features and the craft is so terrible. Oh, yeah. That I just wish yeah. those people would kill themselves. And we've seen some of them. <laughs> that's we've, how bad. We've, you know, that's how bad. When scouring, trying to find I'm like, things what are you doing? Over, it's like, man, we've seen them, and it's like, 
you wonder what were they really thinking and it's not to say that that's not a vital thing that you have to go through as a filmmaker but it's not something that you need to be putting out to the world and I've always believed that yeah. that's why I have very little out there for anybody to watch because I, if I don't feel good about it I'm keeping it close and I'm just showing people who are close to me and, and I mean also it's like we're if we're we want to do film we need to have enough craft and enough knowledge about it that that communicates to people that we are that we belong here as yeah. filmmakers and I so think it's like yeah, so it's like um, if we aren't putting enough energy craft thought and and stuff into the fundamental aspects of filmmaking all it's going to do is tell people that we shouldn't be filmmaking yeah. you know what I mean so there's a there's a compromise that does happen where it's like yeah there are things we just can't afford right now or things we can't um, worry about right now but then there's also fundamental aspects that we need to worry about you have because if we don't yeah it's like are we even filmmakers yeah it's what you is know? the point and I think that's one thing I think it's a clear distinction between people who are just trying to make a movie and people who uh, care about it. who really love film yeah right yeah you know, it gets to something story. deeper that it's not just oh, well, I saw this movie and let's just try to make something that comes off like that or yeah. that feels like that. And that's, that's just hobby shit. And there's nothing wrong with that. People do it. And that's, I think a lot I'm of it is what you that. care about, too. It's like, you know, do you really care? Like, when there's a director who's saying, who's like, uh, there's a difference between a director who's like offended that they didn't get a good sound guy and a director who's like, how are we going to hear what my beautiful characters are saying if we don't have sound? There's a difference there. Yeah. One is someone who cares about story and the final product, and the other one is just being a professional dickwad. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. there's there's a difference. Yeah. And <coughs> some people are so professional that you just want to smack them because it's like, are you just here to make money and be and for your reputation, or are you actually here because you care about film and you yeah. care about storytelling? I think that's the structure of film of film school that might be a little ancient these days, at least to people who feel like proper filmmakers, but that is completely vital to people who are just trying to find something to do. I think yeah. A, it's going to weed out the ones who really don't give a shit, right. because you have to sit through all kinds of different types of movies, and if yeah. you don't have a heart for it, you don't yeah. have a heart for it. And You're it's gonna just going like, to kind of weed you out, and it's going to eventually get you to a point where you get your hands on a camera years down the road, mm -hmm. and are actually able to try to implement all of these ideas and thoughts and different inspirations yeah. and films that you've been mulling over in your mind for the last two years right. you know, now you need to make a, a thesis film right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's pretty much the first time you really get your hands on cameras I think through film school yeah you know, as far Which as I think it's a shame university I think that's a shame but it's like at the same time okay so you think that's a shame but maybe that's a shame for people who are born filmmakers or at least are dedicated to it yeah but I don't know if it's necessarily a shame for the general population who might just be kind of falling into film school who think that they maybe would like it if given the opportunity yeah I think it's gonna get to a point where those people are gone but also it's gonna force the person the filmmaker to learn first before implementing right. and I think that that's an important thing now obviously we've been doing this a long time so that's way in the past for us well but when we know, first started to get we our could hands do more on, for sure of course but you know you've done it enough and you understand it enough I think you've gotten to the point where if you were in film school they'd be giving you a camera right but I would I already have a camera to that point yeah. I would already have my own yeah. camera and my own laptop and my own, probably my own lights and everything. Yeah. Because I would be like, I don't want to wait for them to rent me out some equipment 
Like, I don't care. I don't even want their equipment anyway. Like, you can have it. You know, like, I'm getting to know my equipment. I'm, I'm not getting to know somebody's secondhand equipment. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now, some of that stuff is pretty expensive, and, and if you can get it, like, get it. But it's like, a lot of times it's hamstringing you so that you're waiting. Yeah, but are they you know? ready? Like, are you ready for it? You know? Like, because you're they're making the, films when the, you The college. reason that we are so watered down as filmmakers is because there's a million people out there making movies who have no fucking business making right. movies. But you gotta make right? films to, of course to you get do. better at making so films. So I think that, I think it's more, I think it's a bit of a catch-22 kind of thing yeah. because I think it is absolutely vital to hold people back until they are actually ready to get their hands on a camera and dive into it and go for well, it. Well, yeah, you should to learn extent, some fundamental you know? things. You know, but it's but like, of course, like you need the freedom to go out and do your own shit and make your own stuff. But it's that when you think about it on a theoretical level, it's the reason that we deal with being so watered down and where film is this day and age is because you have so many people out there making shit that really is of no value and of no consequence and right. only matters to them not personally good and that's, yeah. that's fine. That's mm -hmm. really and truly, that's 100% fine. There is a difference between keeping that, it's like, it's a difference between putting some shit up on your refrigerator and mm -hmm. renting out a, a art gallery and putting it on the walls. It's like, yeah. you better have your shit straight before you go to that point and that's sure. what YouTube is to an extent for us, the people yeah. who don't have any other form. So it the does stuff help. that is there ought to be of a certain value and quality, but it's not. Well, that's why it's on YouTube, right? right? Yeah. You know, there's the there's the chicken and egg problem. It's like, are they on YouTube because they suck, or are they? Yeah. Do they? <laughs> you know. Yeah. So it's like, but there are there is beautiful stuff on YouTube. There it is. does exist, yeah. and hopefully, it, hopefully, it's going to show up in a gallery, like you said. Yeah. You know, like one day. But I mean, yeah. what what that really does, I think, is it separates the men from the boys, right? And you you get people who, I think, really believe in themselves but their stuff is junk and then people who don't believe in themselves like me mostly <laughs> who, who hopefully my stuff is not junk you know yeah. and so it gets people to go like hey like your stuff's not junk and maybe you should make more films yeah. and, and but sa sadly what often happens is that people get validated for making junk you know, yeah. because they're good with the social media and they're yeah. good with, you know, yeah, yeah, all yeah. this stuff. And, yeah. and everybody's a yes man, yep. and, which is a real shame. Um, and then all the people who are, you know, not good with social media and not good with, you know, making friends or whatever, are nobody's telling, nobody's telling, yeah. encouraging them to make more film. And, uh, but as it comes to college, it's like, I don't know, I really think that film is more like art and it's just the more you make of it it's you know think of yourself as a as as an illustrator or a painter it's like no no you can't have the brush yet yeah. no no think about it think about yeah. what you're going to draw first that's ridiculous like it's not to say that's completely ridiculous what you're saying mm -hmm. but it's like as if you're an artist or an illustrator it is ridiculous it's like draw just yeah. draw some stuff. Of course. Of you know course. what I mean? I like, get that. I get that. And I just think if that it's you're your talking equipment, about something that's vastly more complicated. It's like it is. to take cinema and simplify it to cartoonism. But know, I mean, cartoonism is like I, it's apples and oranges. It is complicated, but know? once you get on set, it starts making sense to you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it really does. Maybe and, to get on another set, mm -hmm. right? 
I mean, I, again, I don't know because I've never been on anybody else's set. You know. Well, I've the bigger set you get on, the more you can learn. Like that's one good thing about yeah. getting on a big set is you can really learn a lot. There is a point at which it's like prohibitive, where it's like I don't know what's going on in that department, you know, and so I'm not learning from it. So there is a point where it's like you're too far removed from all the different departments of a film, like yeah. the way Hollywood probably is. But if you're on like an indie film that's like a two million dollar indie film, that's a perfect place to learn. Yeah. You know. And well, in a way, I can't say that because I haven't been on one of those. But it's but I've been on a lot of like, you know, super indie productions where it's like twenty thousand dollar picture or a fifty thousand dollar picture, you know. Yeah. And you have professionals there. The professionals been doing it for ten years, fifteen years. Mm-hmm. So it's like. You, I think you can learn a lot. Oh, no, of course you can. You know, I, I just saw something, and it might—I can't remember who made the video. It might have been the guys, or one of the guys who made that relics. But they were talking about uh, like filmmaking and uh, relating it to the idea of becoming like a sushi, uh, sushi chef, right? And oh, wow! The Japanese yeah. go about Interesting. It. And it's like you'll apprentice as a young man. Uh, it's like uh, so many years before they even let you cook the rice. Something yeah. like five years oh, right. before they even let you cook the rice that wraps the sushi, you yeah. know, as opposed to actually getting to the point where you're cutting the fish and you're doing all the work, you mm-hmm. know. It's like apprenticeship. Right. It's, it's, the, it's the process of learning and understanding, you know. And I guess that I just kind of hold on to some of those kind of values. It's more old Maybe Hollywood. more than you yeah. do, you know, to an extent, the idea that... I can respect it, You need sure. to, like, you need to learn this shit before you just go... Ape shit yeah. and just try to yeah. do all this stuff right. because a I think a lot of people might even get burnt out who have potential. Yeah, right. It might just be spinning their wheels before they're really ready or, or like you know how many people are going to stay the course and go out year after year after year of bad movies because if you just do it as from the time you're a kid, it's like you know you're making bad movies. But I don't know. I guess I just kind of kept going because I yeah. made bad movies for years and years and years of my life and I might still be making bad movies yeah, but the issue to stay the course is something different the issue and I for wish me is, that I would have just had that early education as far as film yeah that goes. would be nice it's not a part of growing but up for, for me this represents a larger cultural or systemic difference where Hollywood has this has this um, system that brings you up and there's respect there and today that just doesn't really exist much Maybe it, maybe it should, uh, or maybe it exists in, in, in degrees in certain studios, um, but from what I've seen, it doesn't really exist now because people are brought, generally brought up in the indie world, yeah. and then they end up working for a Hollywood studio doing indie stuff. Um, and if, you, and if, you're, if you're brought up literally in Hollywood, you just live a different life. <laughs> Than all of us out, all yeah. of us unwashed masses out here. Anyway, yeah. so it's like it, that's a very different world. You know, you're, you know, you're. From what I can tell, a lot of stuff is just like you go to a Hollywood party and then you get jobs just from knowing people. So it's like, yeah, it's just very different. You know, like mm-hmm. here you're getting on, you're just trying to get on sets and make stuff, or you are like me, you're burdened with stories that you want to become real and you don't quite know how to do that so you're thinking of a variety of different ways you can do that 
And then, like me, I, you just fall in love with the process of filmmaking. Um, and I'm sure that happens differently for different people, but it's like, I think that um, we just have to kind of do the best we can with what we have. Definitely. And whatever that means, if you start out as a screenwriter or a producer or a director or, um, or an AC or whatever, it's like, just do as much of it as you can. Yeah. And your hope is that one day someone's gonna see your potential and your talent and you're gonna get hired on more mm -hmm. to do more stuff. Uh, obviously, as a producer or director or writer, oftentimes you want to be independent as much as you can. Uh, ACs often don't care. A lot of crew members don't care because they're thinking about, can I feed my family? You know, and can I still practice my craft feeding my family? And you can do that at a studio. So, in fact, often it's easier at a studio to do that. So, yeah. but for a director or producer or an, or even an actor, sometimes it's like, I want independence. I want creative independence because they're thinking about the storytelling. They're thinking about how am I going to keep the storytelling as true to the original concept as possible. And so for me, that's a concern. And so staying independent is a concern. And so doing things in a way where people get to see kind of like my storytelling first, as opposed to just the craft of my filmmaking, is going to be important. And that's why I want to focus on like sci-fi and fantasy and things where there's a, there's a unique vision that I can offer. Um, it kind of it's really about displaying your particular talents. And uh, so, you know, and this is, this is not something that I always understood because to me it was just like about doing more film. And so I was doing that, but then I was realizing that my, my particular talents were not being seen because my particular talents are about storytelling and kind of a unique vision for storytelling. <coughs> so the question is, how do I do that? And the only answer is making my own unique films. And so that's taking some time because screenwriting is hard. Like it really is, it's difficult. Um, and doing it, especially in a way that interests and pleases everybody, is virtually impossible. Um, so some of that stuff you have to give up. But I think I'm on the right track now as it comes to what I'm trying to focus on. It's just going to take some time. But for you, um, I am more kind of like, it is more ambiguous, kind of like what, what we're going to do to help you to get into films. For me, it's like I have Will planned for this year. I hope to make it before the end of the year. If it's not edited before the end of the year, that's fine. I just want to shoot it before the end of the year. Um, it's just like a six, seven minute short, you know? Mm -hmm. But it's got some unique locations that I don't know all yeah. the locations. Um, and then I'm also working on a, uh, two other scripts for the future. And I'm also working on possibly doing a YouTube show uh, about 
the history of American um, kind of like Saturday morning television called uh, Cereals and Cereals. So it, re it reviews breakfast cereals <laughs> and it reviews this, yeah. the cereal shows that kids watched uh -huh. for the last hundred years. So we didn't always have a television, you know, yeah. in the last hundred years, but we did have radio dramas and yeah. serials. Oh, yeah. So, um, and then more today, it's the internet stuff. So, yeah. um, I thought reviewing that would be fun and interesting, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so I'm working on that show, and and then I'm working on, like I said, on Will, and then on two scripts called The Confessor and mega level generation and you know I'm not I'm not struggling oh yeah I'm also working on monolith next year I'm planning to shoot road to, road to tourney on the road to tourney which is the uh, medieval story okay. I was talking about yeah. yeah and that will probably have have to be shot like in Georgia or somewhere hmm. but because Florida is just a very different environment than like Burgundy France um, which is planned to be, you know, it's supposed to literally be in, in Burgundy. Um, and it's a, it's a very kind of rolling hills, vineyards. I was gonna say, because there are rolling yeah. hills in Florida, it's about finding the right kind of tree lines. Well, the, the grass trees, is different, you know. The grass is very different. The, it's funny, I, I keep bringing up grass. Like, I'm <laughs> like, you have grass in your stuff, you can't do that. And now I'm like talking about the grass in Burgundy. Um, but well, I mean, like, the natural grass that grows in Florida is, yeah. you know, it can be. It's weak. very different. It it's long. very, it's very thick here. Um, well, it depends what type of Florida, because down here, our it's true. Like, it's uh, possible here. I just haven't found grass, it. you know, which is thin, stringy. Yeah, that stuff's terrible. And then it gets those little things that like pitchfork at the end <laughs> with a little black fuzz on it. That's it's, our grass. Our weird. grass is ugly yeah. and thin, man. But, but like, I notice. See, I notice all these things, I, and they really matter to me. And so it's like, it's just got to feel like you're in, in France. You know what I mean? Like, um, so. Yeah, but would you let grass get in the way of making your movie? Yes and no. Really? Yeah. Uh, see, I feel like you do I wouldn't that let it get in the way of making yeah. it, but what I would do is like literally not shoot with grass. Yeah. If I had to. Yeah. Because you can always do that. Um, because I, I don't How want do do those that? little things to me. Actually, when I watch a movie, I see those, and I'm just like, "That's not that. That takes me out of the film." Wow, it's just not. You one of those continuity guys? Like, oh, that's man, how I started, know, bro. His tie wasn't a, that's a double winter. It was a uh, you know whatever in the last the shot. The script really? supervisor. Okay. Wow, the, you you have to have that kind of eye. Yeah, to do be a script supervisor. So that's what I started okay. down doing. Okay, and. Um, so I, I really, I'm really on, on that small detail stuff. Um, and so, because to me it's like, these are foundations of storytelling. And then when all those things are in play, it's like you know your script. If you're an actor, it's like you know your part. See, I know, yeah. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you yeah. in that aspect, John, but I would just pick and choose my battles, I guess. Mm -hmm. Sure. Maybe I'd be a little more, I don't know whatever you, you know, relaxed about, which ones I'd really go to bat for, and which ones, yeah. you know, like I wouldn't have people out there in shitty looking armor, like that's not gonna right. happen. I would have that down to a T. Yeah, you have to. What fills my you frame and what's not out of focus at, you know, exactly. large portions of it would have to be right. 
I would just pick and choose, you know. I, I guess I guess that comes yeah. down to the individual, man. It's like where are you gonna, you know? Well, I think of it like on the practical. Yeah, I think you have to be practical about it. Like, okay, like there's no point in being, uh, you know, bitchy about, it, you know. But it's like, if if this is not accurate, why does it have to be in the frame? If it doesn't have to be in the frame, then keep it out of the frame, you know. So it's like. Just on a practical level, say, if it's not helping me with the storytelling, then it's getting in my way. And if it's getting in my way, just keep it out of the frame. Hmm. So it can, you can just have a very practical uh, way of looking at it. Yeah. It doesn't have to be like a big something that we complain about or argue about or be you know, terrible about it. We can just say, hey, I want this to be, like I want everything in the frame to be accurate. And if it's not accurate, then we, sh we need to modify it to, to make it to where you don't know it's not accurate. And if we can't do that, then just keep it out of the frame. Like it's not, yeah. it's not really that hard actually, because the frame is actually pretty restrictive. You can, you can have a very restrictive frame. You can focus on close-ups for your actors. Like you can do a lot of stuff to, to keep people's eye where it matters. And there yeah. are moments, you know, where it's like, yeah, this is gonna be in frame, but the way you use your camera then can make it to where you're, you're, you're uh, guiding the eye away from those things. Mm -hmm. So you're being smart enough to be like masking your, the things that you don't have going for you, you know. And I think smart, I think a lot of smart directors and cinematographers do that. They're like, this is not a good light or a good this or a good that. And so we're going to, you're, we're going to frame the camera very restricted or we're gonna keep these things in focus and these things out of focus. Yeah. And so we're guiding the eye away from these things that don't give us an advantage on screen and, and with storytelling. So always give yourself an advantage uh, and, and keep all those other things out of the frame that don't serve the story. And I, I'm a real believer in that. And I think that all the real people in Hollywood who, who, who care about that, that's why they're doing, doing that in Hollywood because they care enough about it to where they, they have rules and they're like, this is not allowed in frame. It's just not allowed. But they have you know? the money and they have the... You know, All it is is nixing things. things. It's just things we don't want. To, yeah, but you see, know what I mean? Like, <clears throat> it's, it's like, how are you gonna, you know, so we wanna shoot in France. It's like, so shoot in France, you know? Go to France Well, they can shoot, do that, yeah. Right? They mean, can do that. I, I you know, could go to Georgia. They want the right grass, you know? But, yeah. you know, if you put it side by side, yeah. is Georgia the same grass as France? Now, I don't know for sure. I can't say. You can find it, out, but it's like, is it probably? You not. can find out. Is it going to be the same species? It's not hard to find so, that stuff out. You know, oh, of course, with yeah, the internet, sure it's amazing the stuff you can find out. But it's like, what are the chances that like Georgia and France share the same species of grass? It's probably not likely. So you're just going no. like like for like. But it, species right? is not important. So what's important is the visual. What yeah. are yeah, you yeah, selling yeah. it or not? Mm -hmm. And grass is generally not like it's it's a good example because it's. <laughs> It's kind of silly because, because it's so small, right? Yeah. It's so yeah. like minuscule and, and the camera's probably not gonna pick up most of that. And the truth is that's, that's true. The camera's yeah. not gonna pick up most of that. But what they will see is the difference between the Florida grass <laughs> and that, because our grass is like insanely crazy. Really? Yeah. So um, it's like, it's more tropical, you know? It's more hardy and tropical. So a lot of grass, just like in the Midwest or like that a lot of it's light and, and kind of like um, soft 
you know? Yeah. And it's more moist, you know? It's just a little different. And so I think these small things, you know, you don't have to have European grass. You just have to have something that can sell it. You know, it's where you yeah. believe this could be European soil. You know, because the truth is, when you're fighting with somebody, generally fights get to the ground pretty quick. Because people get tired, they get knocked off their horse, yeah. they get beat down. And you're going to be in the mud soon. And if that mud is like Georgia clay, no, that's not going to work. Because that, that was not, that's not in Burgundy, France. And it's not in most of Europe. So, some is though. I just saw pictures no, it's of true. Uh, there, German floods. Right, there is all some, their ground. There is some red, is like yeah. serious clay looking their earth. Which yeah, the I was just trying to use all about as, European, like earth, as an example. Yeah, you know. But I was surprised to see that to be like I actually just thought about that earlier. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, that kind of looks like Georgia clay. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, not to get sidetracked. But no, the, I mean, and that's part of the reason I care about the grass is because. On a practical level, I imagine the visuals, and you're going to be on the ground soon, you know. And then when when one of the guys get knocked down, and they're on the ground, you got you have a close up of that grass because you have a close up of the face of that person on the ground. Mm-hmm. So the grass is right next to where your frame is, and in other words, you can't avoid it. It's going to be there, and if it's Florida. <laughs> I am going to take like pictures of grass for you in the you. state of Florida. It's not going to work. And I promise you, it does not and look it's like sandy Saint soil. Augustine grass. It's, it's just not yeah. sandy soil. It's yeah. just not, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christmas. Mm-hmm. Let's stop talking about grass, man. Let's talk about movies. But this is part of my point. <laughs> is I know, that I get it's it. part of my point, which is that I think, I think there's kind of like a narrow vision that I think. Myself as a director, I, mean, I can't sit, speak for all directors and say everybody needs to be like me. But what I can say is for me, I believe you have to have a narrow vision as it comes to what are you trying to say, what is going to end up in your frame, and how are you going to accomplish all that stuff. Yeah. And if I have to shoot in Georgia for the freaking grass, yes, it's kind of ridiculous, but... The question is, can I do it? You can do it, you do it. Is it really that much more expensive? And will it matter? And I think (coughs) the answer is yes. Yeah. I think it will matter a little bit. Because if you're if you're some dude in Europe and you're watching my film, you're gonna immediately go, What the hell is this? Like and the thing is, a lot of people aren't gonna do that consciously. They'll do that subconsciously, where they'll say, I don't believe this is happening in France or in Europe even. Uh, or in the old world at all. It doesn't belong in the old world. And so it's it's not a legit yeah. like medieval tale. Here's a question. Does Burgundy France have significant value to your story? Um, it has some. It? Well, one of the things about it is that it's somewhat uh, like common as it comes to the, what that place looks like in Europe. A lot of, and it, that isn't literally true, but what, it, what is true about it is that when you think of Burgundy, France, you think of a lot of Europe because it's, um, it's like what a lot of Europe wanted to be like. And the reason I know that is that 
I studied tournament a little bit in Europe from making this film. And the way tournaments happened is there were certain places in Germany, certain places in France, certain places in the UK, in, the, in England, where tournament was popular. And the most popular was in that area of Burgundy, France. And it wasn't necessarily Burgundy, but it was very close by where tournaments would happen and they were like really popular. So people would go from Germany over to uh, this area of France mm. and you know, central to northern, uh, northeastern France. And um, so, and also a lot of the reason that I wanted to make it in Burgundy, France is that Burgundy is known for its wine fields. Now this wasn't always the case in France, but what they always did have is the kind of fields and the kind of rolling hills that are gorgeous when you imagine someone traveling down a road to get to tournament. So not only is this the area where tournaments happened, but also it makes a beautiful place, scenic place for a road to come by and it's called On the Road to Tourney. So there's a road that comes by and then goes to the tournament, which is happening close by. Third, there's the rooster, the idea of the rooster. Here we are in the wooden rooster. Rooster is a very French idea, right? It's on their soccer jerseys. It's like a part of their Yeah, like it their is. It's culturally part yeah. of France. The rooster is loud. The rooster is obnoxious. The rooster defends the, the, the hens with its life and the white knight which is in this script represents the rooster um, so the white knight is is a, uh, like a archetypal character which is supposed to be a hero it's supposed to be uh, admired by the community but this is a um, kind of like I'm kind of like up uprooting these stereotypes to make the white knight actually a villain. Now I'm not saying some kind of statement about France or roosters and that they're bad, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that um, this guy is like a rooster in that he believes he's brave and heroic and the archetype says he's brave and heroic. But today, we would not necessarily see these people as brave and heroic. And not only that, but in this time, I think that many of the brave heroes that we thought, that they thought were brave and heroic, were not necessarily that great. They were loud and obnoxious, but that didn't mean they could fight. It didn't mean they had any moral grounding for what they were fighting for. It just meant might makes right. And a lot of them believed in that concept of might makes right, that they, <clears throat> that even the idea of dueling was a way of saying might makes right, which is to say, if I win, that means I was right about my argument. And that's always been ridiculous. <clears throat> Everybody has known that's always been ridiculous. And yet, the institution of dueling was kind of there to say, maybe God is with the victor. And maybe those who are victorious are victorious on, like in many ways, not just as a, as a sword fighter 
or you know as a dueler mm. or whatever so there's always this cultural upheaval as it comes to new ideas of what being right is when you're right are you only morally right or are you right technically are you right socially like what makes you more right and so the sword fight settles that battle it settles and the belief is that it settles that uh, you know debate and I, I always thought that was ridiculous like in many ways so to me uprooting that stereotype was very satisfying to me it was like no the black knight is actually good and the reason is that the black knight has a moral grounding it's not because he's better at sword fighting I mean he is better at sword fighting but that's not why he's right you know what I'm saying yeah. so the short reveals what makes him more right but I just thought that would be fun to do like have the white knight and the black knight fight and all along the way you're seeing kind of their moral grounding as opposed to just are they good at fighting and then when they fight one of them does win but you're presented with you know your stereotype being uprooted and 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 then as a as a viewer you can say do I like this or do I not like this and the idea is that you're supposed to recognize the moral value of these people as opposed yeah. to their ability to just fight so yeah. so that's kind of what I was getting at yeah what I'm getting at with I'm the surprised story. you wouldn't have the guy with like a moral foothold lose because it's not to say that you know morals rule the day right. nor have they ever no they so haven't. it's the idea that good wins out is like well yeah not it's very really. satisfying you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know it's not All necessarily right. what's going to happen in real life yeah. but I, you know, so in, okay. a, in a way, I was creating a new kind of hero that uh, is not loud and rooster-like. Yeah. Uh, you know, roosters are heroes, like real roosters. <laughs> but the people who I'll never forget, I was driving know. through a neighborhood, yeah. and there were chickens out there, and there was this crazy-ass rooster, and he was running mm -hmm. around as I'm going slow down this road. He's crazy. running up on different hens, and he's like, he's like raping hens like just random over and over. hens just like boom <laughs> boom boom as we're like going slow passing through his neighborhood I wanted to get out and like kick the thing I'm like yeah, what birds the, man what the fuck is this man like flocking birds dirty you know felt weird yeah there's the good the, there's the birds odd, that have man. like their their nice little queen in their yeah. nest and they're up in a tree yeah. and then there's birds like ducks yeah. and geese and and, and I'm working other by chickens right now they're like what the heck you, yeah. you're like you're like impregnating like 20 yes, birds honest to god yeah like just without it's like what is going I, it on was, here it was strange man but as i'm working in lakeland i'm watching that we got all these chickens around us and roosters and there's like whole sh there's a gang of them and it's like see them moving in packs a little bit it feels slightly more like family oriented mm -hmm. so maybe it's changing <laughs> my uh, my view of chickens you know but <laughs> i can't say that my first experience because i didn't grow up on a farm what the hell do i know yeah. about chickens you know what i mean my first experience was very strange. It's like, it took me, I don't know, caught me off guard. I, was I think that's why so many of these places keep the roosters out of the picture, because yeah. they just cause chaos. They're just kind of crazy, man, yeah. from what I've seen. But it explains know. how they survive in nature, but, yeah. you know, because they're also kind of just like dumb, dumb birds in many ways, kinda, too. Yeah, can't really yeah. fly for shit. And they're on know? the ground. Yeah, they're often yeah. on the ground, so it's like, it explains how they survive. you see one on a fence and he's up there, you know. Yeah. 
crowing away. It's like, oh, okay. How the hell did you get up there, man? Anyhow, <laughs> yeah, chickens, man. So now we need we need to really kind of nail down, try to nail down how we're going to accomplish this for you. Because I have a plan, but you need to plan. And I also think that we should maybe think about, and we've talked about this a little bit, like a, after um, the Kahana, Kim Kahana interview uh, we did, we went yeah, to yeah. the uh, restaurant, and we sat down, down. And, you, and you were like, I don't really have a plan, man. And to me, it was like a challenge, not a challenge, but it was kind of like, like man, we gotta talk about this more so that we can kind of, I guess, get to the next step for you of making a plan to where, you know, we at least know we're heading in the right direction as we keep going. Like, do you want to do this kind of like uh, relics kind of project or do you want to make shorts that are like proof of concepts or do you want to like a, make a YouTube show or like, what is it you're thinking that you would like to do? I just want to film shit, that's all. You know, honest to God. I don't, I just want to make good movies. That's first and good foremost. Good movies. That's okay. the only thing that I'm worried about. You know, yeah. it's like, of course I have stories. I could hand you a stack of scripts, you know. Mm -hmm. For me, it's like, well, that's just kind of the flavor of the day. What matters is like, what do I do when I'm there with a camera and people and trying to make something? And then what do I do when I get to the point where I'm trying to put it together? Yeah. And post, you know, right. make something out of it. So I guess my, my thing is to just try to get better. Yeah. More than I want to plot and plan and think about the future and really nail down hard fucking projects. This is what I'm doing now. This is what I'm doing next and next. It's like that always changes for me. That's yeah. never, I never have a solid footing in that arena. I really don't. You know, that's constantly changing on me. Yeah. And that's just kind of a way of life at this point, I guess. I, I don't know if that's like a good thing or a bad thing. I could see it as both ways, mm -hmm. I guess, in a sense. You well, know money I mean? is definitely I think an issue. It is, yeah. I think it is a good thing in a lot of ways because then you have something you can really try to wrap your arms around. Mm -hmm. But I also think that there's, a, there's another aspect of filmmaking, man. There's something that's a little more harder to cage up, you know, or yeah. like put a, put a definition on. It's, it's like it's the inspiration to want to go and make something. And where right. does that come from? Yeah. You know, and how does that affect you? And I think it comes and it goes and you get waves of it, you know, and it, well, that's so partly what me, we're doing now. Like, yeah, for sure. I know it sounds stupid, but no. what I really want to do is just get better at filmmaking. Yeah. You know, and I want to do that by consistently doing things, mm -hmm. consistently filming. I have enough different stories, different shit. I don't even need a story. Like, let's just get a group of people together in a day. I guarantee you we can make something that we will all be able to look back on and enjoy. Like mumblecoring no, it. Right? So it's like, now whether or not it's something that can go and be something big, it's like, I'm not yeah. too worried about that. It doesn't yeah. have to be that. It really doesn't. It no. just has to feel good and it has to, you got to learn something from mm -hmm. it, I guess. You know, get a little sharper, get a little more experienced, right. get more people involved, make new relationships, you know, mm -hmm. hopefully move forward with something where you can actually really put some time and money behind something and, yeah. and give it its, you know, give it its proper attention but I think at this point what I'm interested in doing is just making more making more yeah you know because I go too long in between man and I've spent too long on one thing me too and that hasn't played out all that great for me 
Yeah. Bottom line, you know, and uh, I would like to think about the idea of like a future as a filmmaker, like a professional, paid filmmaker. But at this point, that's just not really. That's not there. At the it's moment. not on your radar. So it's like, yeah. man, I just want to keep. I want to get better. I guess. And yeah. Stay sharp. You know. Well, you know, like my plan in many ways includes a lot of other people like you. And I really want, like, as we improve the Film Bar Mondays project as well, it's like we're going to be doing more. So um, one of the things I want to do is us doing interviews where we do um, kind of like this but with, with cameras as well, mm-hmm. and where we go to uh, a local studio or you know, somebody's place and we just talk about you know, what they're doing. And, uh, but that's, that's to me a very small kind of thing. In fact, if we never did that, I wouldn't be upset about it. But what I want to do, obviously, is the plan, which is making these shorts. And then also we've got the screen team, which is, I don't know if I ever told you much about the screen team. A little bit. Yeah, basically there's the two kind of concepts which is first of all we watch films and talk about them and second of all we support filmmakers and their campaigns to screen their films yeah okay so, like come out in a group and yeah, yeah okay right I got you yeah yeah we talked about this whether it's bit. your film or my film or anybody's film yeah they could just be a local filmmaker it doesn't matter they don't even have to go to film bar it's like Oh, you're putting out your film. You're you're releasing your film, and you know, first of all, we can interview you, or do the podcast, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And second of all, we can have people from Film Bar come out and watch your film, and yeah. like maybe even have an interview after your film screen and talk, you know, like in front of the audience, like they would do at a festival, right? Yeah. And have a little Q and A with the director. I think that would be great. If we, if we became part of making that happen for more filmmakers locally, I think it would help build the film community more because it feels more like a film festival. And film festivals are, are functions of building community. Like that's in, in many ways what, what their objective is, is to build film community. And so they know what they're doing. Like they know how to do that. One of the ways they do it is not only just to advertise the films, but to, and then to screen films, but to also talk, talk with directors and producers about making films and then have an in-depth discussion about making films in general, not just their film, but like how to make films. And so it builds up, that just naturally is gonna build up new people to making more films. They're gonna be learning more. They're gonna be getting to know people. And then also, Film Bar Mondays is like a, uh, a mixer after you know it's like a film festival mixer like you watch a film and then you're like okay we're going to be meeting at this restaurant or we're going to be going in the yeah. you know in the courtyard or wherever and we're going to be having drinks and we're going to be talking with filmmakers and you can talk to all these filmmakers you know and all this stuff and so people sign up and they go and then they just meet and talk and that's basically to me what film bar mondays is modeled after is, a, is like a festival mixer yeah. So it's like if we did that more with the screen team as well, to where we have screenings and then discussions with filmmakers, 
I think that's just naturally building up the community. So, um, so there's that, you know, and, um, but I, I, I just, I just think that people need to learn about our community, about our local community, and then need to kind of like get in touch with the local filmmakers around here because then it's going to help them to realize, hey, they can do it too. And they can be involved and they can come out to film bar and they can have discussions about these things and become better filmmakers as a result. So um, it is kind of a, to me, it's kind of a just get out and do it kind of thing, you know. I mean, obviously, me and you, we have technical things getting in our way from why we're not shooting a film right now instead of recording this. Yeah. You know, there's reasons for that. Um, and so, obviously, we're going to need to be talking about that more so we can kind yeah. of identify and... Get past it. Like, well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's... Yeah. We have to admit that life just happens to people and... Often we want to do things and we just can't do them for various reasons. And that's okay, that's life, that's part of life. It's frustrating, it's true for a lot of people, but it's also just something you have to accept sometimes. And, but there is a way, there is a way out. And a lot of it is just belief, just believing that there's a way out and that you can do it. And a lot of it's a lot of stuff you have to figure out. Like a lot of it is like you really have to make a plan it's like escaping from a prison or something it's like you you have to like make a plan to uh, get through all these obstacles and the truth is it's po very possible to do that um, but half of it's just belief I think just believing you can do it you know and that it's worth doing so um, I think we're gonna just gonna keep talking about it and keep keep trying to identify things that are in our way. And are these things just kind of like smoke and mirrors? Are some of these things things we can just like say, well, once I decide to do it, then these things won't be bothering me anymore. Or like money often is that way. Money is often a situation where we believe we can't, uh, we can't escape our lifestyle or our, the thing, the, like the things we really want or the like, we have all these bills and we have things that we want in life but if if like tomorrow there was a, a war and everything broke out and we lost our jobs and everybody's like on the street would we survive yeah we probably would survive of course yeah. in many you know yeah. some of us would not survive but it's like can you can you survive in that situation the answer is yes yeah. um, so I guess the question is are we willing to go to war to make film and are we willing to put all the things that we work so hard uh, you know, to gather to ourselves so that we have this sense of safety for our families, are we willing to risk those things uh, for film? And I know for me, like, a lot of that stuff I'm not willing to risk. And, but a lot of it I am. Like where I live, I'm willing to move. I'm willing to let my wife's job go, um, and and my situation here go, um, 
I, I do need a relative amount of safety for my kids, you know, and I need us to have a, a, a certain amount of money so that we can have internet access and, you know, some of these basic things we need, you need. Um, but I'm willing to let a lot of that stuff go. Um, not right away, but, you know, some of these things are going to take some doing and some pre preparation. But um, I think a lot of it's worth it to let it go. Because I really do believe that a lot of these stories are beneficial to people. And there are things, there, this, the, the message that it's telling is things people need to hear. And things that are going to be uh, helpful to, to people. And you know, when you're an artist, a lot of times you can't even think about that. All you can think about is, is it something I really, really, really want to do? Is it something that's going to fulfill my life? And do I think that, that it possibly could help people? And if, if those things are possibilities, then I think you should probably make a go for it. You know? Um, and I mean, yeah, make a plan B. So if you can get out of this bad situation, you can. But, you know, so be smart enough to be like not, you know, don't put yourself in, in a situation where people could get hurt or whatever. But it's like, you know, I think you do want to take some risks. And I know for your, your situation seems similarly um, in stone as mine. Like, my wife's job is really great. Like, it's been, it's been the thing, like, that's, you know, besides God in our lives, mm -hmm. it's like the thing that's keeping us sane, you know? Um, so, and for you, it's your job with your dad, you know, like, um, it's stability, you know? And, and there's, you know, also when you're working with a family business, there's a measure of like, um, what would you call it, legacy that gets passed down. Yeah. And that's hard to kind of like see, to see yourself not doing that is difficult, you know. Um, or to see yourself honoring that legacy and yet not doing that job is difficult. Like how do I, how do you reconcile both those things? You know, so I understand it being a difficult um, possibility for you, you know, how, how you can do that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And then there's our wives. Our wives already included in this conversation, so it's like, how are they going to deal with all these things? And they have every right to be involved in the decision making to some degree, you know. Um, yeah. Not in every, in every way, you know. Uh, but it's like, and I think to a certain degree, like wives are along with us for the journey in many ways. We're along with them for their journey, they're along with us for our journey. And th that's yep. supposed to be mutually beneficial. So <coughs> yeah. it's not always, but <laughs> it's supposed to be, I think. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. You're getting pretty deep on me, John. I know, I know. You're getting pretty deep on me, bro. I'm just trying to talk about movies. <laughs> uh, yeah, I hear you. I'm kidding. Yeah, no, nah, I mean, you touch on a lot of different things. It's, uh, 
that's a lot to try to figure out. And that's when I start to go down that road, I just go back to simplifying it. Like, I just want to make a make good movie. More. Yeah. You know? just I just want to be more. more busy. I just want to do it more often. Mm-hmm. And see what comes of it, you know? And give yeah. it a real go. Give it the old college try. Well, that's why I have and some then, very you know, simple goals in the near future. That's yeah, like, I, I just want to do more, basically. I want, I want to yeah. make Will. And, um, and, and remember how we talked about in the future for our films, we want to have like a good three to five good sequences to make these films above the cut. You know, like, yeah. just like really good films. Not just like serviceable films, but like ones that amaze are you know can kind of amaze ourselves even you know sequences where it's like the camera's moving and there's the framing is is uh is brilliant in some way it's saying something you know mm-hmm. um and uh you know you're speaking through cinema instead of just letting the camera guide you you're, you're yeah. guiding the camera in a direction that's yeah instead of just something. providing coverage man yeah, yeah exactly you know, having a purpose for what you're framing you know shoot the shoot the motivation shoot the the purpose whatever the hell is going on hopefully you figured that out when you wrote the script you know yeah or at least ironed it out if it's somebody else's you know have a, have a reason for making something that's all I think that's all you really need but I think care about it if there's a little bit of you in there mm-hmm you'll find your way you know I'm starting to feel like we're just a little different in the sense of how we make future plans for me to me it's about what I'm doing every week like little things and I think for you it's probably like projects is this project inspiring enough for me to spend a bunch of time on it or is it something I'm gonna you know kind of work on a little bit here and there but it's not like it's not going to change my life right now, you know? So it's like, I think, I think when you find your next project, it might change a lot for you. It might inspire you enough to be like, we're going to be shooting every weekend for the next three months. You know, like, this is just yeah. going to happen. Yeah. Um, Maybe, man. I'm, I'm good we'll with that. Know. We'll I'm find out, yeah. right? If we find something good enough. Or, you know, whatever. Find the right people, man. That's that's what it, you know, that's the yeah. bitch about making movies is that mm-hmm. it involves other people. And it's it not just about you, man. Yeah. That's something that you have to come to terms with. And it's really a bear to wrestle with and be like, okay, I really am at the mercy of other people. You know? In many ways, yeah. Who gets involved, man. Because you difficult. cannot make a movie just you and a camera. I mean, well, you know, what would it be? How would it affect people? You know, yeah. what could it really say? What is one person in a frame at a time? You know, mm-hmm. it's like, I don't know. It'd be tough, man. That is the inspiring thing about Relics is like just a few people made that film. Just a few people, man. Yeah. And just the, the, the inclination to get out there and go and do it. And mm-hmm. just don't get bogged down in the lack of this or the lack of that. Just be inspired by what you can try to achieve. Yeah. As opposed to being weighed down by, oh man, well we don't have this and we don't have that. Oh God, we can't do anything, yeah, we man. We can't do this. Yeah. Fuck my life, you know. It's like I'm t- I don't want to be in that. No. Uh, Any I can't do this, you know. Talk is just not helpful. It's like yeah. what? What is the point? And I would rather be, achieve, you know, a- attempting to achieve, you know, biting off more than I can chew. Mm-hmm. 
and maybe in at the end of it all being like, well, damn, maybe we went a little further than we could have. And that's okay. And that's all right, man. And I think it's all a process, you know. It's all a process to get to a point of doing yeah. good stuff. But I think uh, I, I admire those guys for what they did now. Yeah. I think the style and whatnot just kind of lends itself to being able to shoot from the hip like that a bit mm-hmm. more. It's very helpful. We're, I mean, we could talk about that another time, but um, I, that's what I've kind of been thinking about a lot today, the difference between the two and kind of how they affect the project. They're like the overall film, you know, but as you as a filmmaker, what you're able to do on this level and what, what are the benefits of this versus that between like a European style or like a more, I don't know, rigid and crisp mm-hmm. kind of American or studio type yeah. picture you know what they afford you as a filmmaker you know because you got to think about these things and what what can you do or a blend of the two because there yeah. are plenty of guys out there who, who, who mix them both you know mm-hmm. but anyhow um, I like what they did I'm inspired by their just their tenacity to get out there and do it man yeah and I think that they made a pretty damn solid yeah. pretty damn solid movie Surprising. that feels like a piece you know some kind of European deal you know mm-hmm. that, that moves and kind of sounds right and feels right and uh, for me that's what I look for when I'm trying to make a movie it's like well, you know what is it what is it how does it move man what does it sound like well you know how do I feel when I'm when I'm watching it what does it yeah what does it do inside of me I guess in a sense you know what am I experiencing through it you yeah know? Um, wasn't it the case that know. their visuals were probably the most the best part of that film I would say yeah yeah, yeah definitely you know one of the things I did hear him say is that he got jobs for camera work after that? One of the yeah, the guy yeah. who was like the cinematographer, I think, picked right. up some some gigs after that, and I think for pretty good reason. You know, I think it's pretty solidly shot. Mm-hmm. Um, sound is not that great. I think the characters are pretty decent. I think the story builds and gets somewhere, but it feels a lot like you know plenty of stuff that you've seen. You yeah. know, it's yeah. got the right feeling. You know, right. even the opening shot of the city, the way it. Yeah, I you did know, see takes that. Takes that tilt and like, per, you know, cruises through a, a. I think that's another thing that really, uh, you know, is that stock footage? You think? I don't think so. I think they took. I think they did that shot. I think they did cool. everything they did. That's great. To be honest, um, it feels like it anyhow. But anyhow, we'll talk about that another time. I just, yeah, bro, you gotta go, don't you? But uh, what time is it? It's uh, five eighteen. Oh shit! Yes, I do. Yes, I do, friend. So we'll talk more about this in the future. Yeah, yeah, I want to... Um, We're getting closer, I think. I think so. You know, I want to... I just... What I was thinking about today was about the idea of, like, as filmmakers on this level, like, where do we fall? and What should we be trying to do? And what are the benefits of this one versus that one for us? You know, yeah. what does that afford us as filmmakers? Like, what do we get out of it? Yeah. What is already kind of, I don't know, come with the package as opposed to what we then have to recreate on our own or like mm-hmm. add to it you know to try to create a full experience yeah you know on the screen because each one they, they're both different you know yeah. you, you sacrifice for one and you gain you know there's advantages and sacrifice to each one it's like man I think it's as I was thinking about that today I thought it was a pretty damn interesting concept and that's found myself thinking about it all day like shit man because it's not really my go to necessarily mm-hmm. that sort of a style yeah. But it does give you, it's very beneficial to just get out there and pick up a camera. Yeah. In that Make way. Make it better. If you Make can, yourself you know, better and better. Yeah. If you can get a few things nailed down and have a, have a decent story to try to, to, try to frame, you know. It's, 
anyhow, yeah. That's cool. Good talk. I'm glad we met. Yeah, man. Um, so I guess, uh, what is that on YouTube? The, the um, Relics? Relics, yeah. Yeah, In-Depth yeah. Cinema is mm. the people. I've watched that. Yeah, yeah, they make some pretty solid stuff, man. It's inspiring us. Pretty good so. videos, I think. Hope we're hoping to do more of that in the future, that kind of stuff. Yeah, cool. All right, till next time. A week later, we announced during our Film Bar Mondays meeting, we were going to be working on a film, black and white mumblecore, in the vein of the Relics film, you may now see on YouTube, by some uh, great South African filmmakers. We decided this was going to be a feature similar to theirs. We're going to shoot it locally with local uh, people, locations, etc. We're going to use an iPhone to shoot it. And we're going to keep our crew as small as possible. And we're just going to see what happens. As of this recording now, we have written... A basic plot summary. It's called Iggy and Alma. And it will feature some local filmmakers, including Anthony Caban. We're going to be doing more uh, casting soon. And uh, we have the gimbal for our iPhone. So we're going to see how this works, because there are some advantages to shooting on iPhone. Some of the processing is quicker. Uh, not as much converting of files in places. Um, and if you look at the Soderbergh films, it has potential to be screened and uh, to be seen online. So I'm looking forward to this film happening. We're planning on shooting in December. And uh, we'll see how it goes. So thank you so much for listening and our next episode will be coming up soon thanks so much everyone this has been John Croft and Tim Mannix wishing you happy trouble free filmmaking to our film community and happy networking at Film Bar Mondays you can find the film Relics by Greg Baker on YouTube by searching for Relics Movie This is a feature film uh, shot in black and white in Tokyo by a South African filmmaker. It makes it quite unique, and uh, unique in the sense that this is the first time we review a film not from the Tampa Bay area. This was kind of an impromptu recording, so we weren't expecting that at all. Thanks for listening. Film Bar Review is made in association with the local Florida and Georgia-based film networking events called Film Bar Mondays, which takes over bars and breweries on Monday nights to bring filmmakers and actors together across the spectrum of experience to have a drink, discuss the industry, and our battle stories. In this case, we're discussing locally made films. We critique them, and we give a voice to the people who work on them. Join us Monday nights in cities like Atlanta, Georgia, Jacksonville, Florida, and Tampa, Florida to have a drink and talk film. Reach out at thefilmbarreview at gmail.com 
and find Film Bar Mondays at our various group pages on Facebook. <laughs>